Hey everybody, Rick here from Fueled by the Outdoors, and I'm here to tell you about a wonderful company, Saddies, custom ammunition and gun works. Aaron Satterfield and his family have been turning out some awesome game loads lately. Uh, I've been using the Saddies Fatties uh, turkey loads, and I gotta tell you, they stop a bird dead. Chris uh, used a 20 gauge this year, I used the 12, Josh used a 20, and uh, my son actually killed one with a 410 this year with uh, one of the Saddies loads, and my god, do they put the birds down like crazy. Aaron Satterfield and his family have a wide-ranging array of ammunition, custom game loads, predator loads, turkey loads, the Saddies Fatty, and also they do gun work. Please get a hold of them with any questions that you have in terms of your custom ammunition needs. Go to saddiesllc.com. That's S-A-T-T-I-E-S-L-L-C.com and tell them that Rick from Fueled by the Outdoors sent you. Kurt Buck down, baby. Oh my gosh, that was freaking awesome. This is my first public land buck. This is my second set of the season. I can't even. Oh my gosh, I just heard him fall. I just heard him fall. Uh. I just shot my Kentucky buck. And Seth, just to be clear, your uh, yours is called Niche TV, right? Niche. Well, yeah, if you say it niche, I don't know. Is Josh, is that the correct pronunciation? Is it niche or is it people? I should probably both. I should probably say the right word for my channel name. <laughs> I, I would go with niche. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Niche niche is not niche is trying to French it up too much. Isn't that, a breakfast, from our isn't that like a breakfast um that would be key. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm from the sticks, man. We eat ham and bacon where I come from. I don't even want to cut this out. I'm being honest. <laughs> Hold on, fueled by the outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Cates, Chris Leppert, and Josh Luck. What up, though? Hey, everyone. And we are joined tonight by Seth Drake of Niche TV. Seth, how's it going? It's going, guys. I appreciate you having me on. I, uh, there's been some pretty big names on here. I feel like you're scraping the bottom of the, of the barrel here, but here we are. <laughs> you nope. know, some of the best stuff is found at the bottom of the pot. <laughs> That's what I hear. <laughs> we don't worry, Seth. We got about seven listeners. We might be up to eight now. So, oh shit! Well, you know. I won't disappoint too many people then. <laughs> if you ask Rick, they're all women too. I don't oh, know if you God. ever heard us talk about that on here, but. Back in well, the day I'm when we started, so. Rick Rick thought we had all these woman listeners, and we figured 30% out of our listener base. Everybody was using their wives' <laughs> account to listen <laughs> to the podcast. By everybody, I mean two people, because that's accounted for thirty percent of our listener base. <laughs> yeah, Rick it's like was it's, all- it's like when you look on when you look at the analytics and stuff. It's like. Um, male, female, non-binary, doesn't specify, and now it's it's all like men between ages twenty-eight and thirty-six. Like that that is that is our prime listening group, and I then like it well. jumps, and then it jumps back up. Like I think in guys in their sixties, it's really. Yeah, I like it, hearing about that though because um, you know, it's kind of I feel like podcasts nowadays are a, a new 
a new generation thing. And I like hearing about the older guys that are listening to podcasts and, and learning from younger guys. Cause I know like, uh, I don't want to get into it too much cause I know we're going to talk about it anyway, but like my dad and my grandpa and the way I grew up, they're kind of old school, you know, not, uh, I don't want to say they're closed minded, but they're very set in their ways. And now I feel like podcasts, especially, and just, just technology as a whole, you got guys that are changing, kind of changing the game and the flow of things. And it's cool to hear about older guys that are, you know, getting on board with that and kind of being more open-minded to teaching the old dogs, new tricks, if you will. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's important that you, like, it's great to learn from your elders, but it's great oh, to yeah. learn from guys coming up uh, as well, because you can learn a lot of new things yeah. um, and coming from somebody like myself, who's, who's very much uh, set in my ways of doing things and trying to break out of stuff. It's, it's mm -hmm. helpful to, to listen to new people outside of Josh and Chris. So <laughs> <laughs> they do we're all you things though. They're pretty decent to listen to. They're pretty decent uh, to listen to. But but enough about <laughs> us, Seth. So uh tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us, you know, how you got involved in the outdoors and just you in general and, and kind of give us a rundown. Okay. Well I'm uh I'm 26. Um I've been I killed my first deer when I was eight on public land, uh national forest ground um in southern ohio hill country um i'm not from hill country per se i'm more of a i guess you'd call me probably west central ohio um more of the ag land we've got some rolling hills but it's generally pretty flat compared to what i'm used to hunting um grew up uh my first few years hunting public with my dad was uh we would usually go in the night before and hang two man uh a two-man you know hang on set mm -hmm. um and by we hang it he would hang it my dad um and i would stand on the ground and get yelled at for not holding the light in the right spot um <laughs> and then as i got older once i got stronger uh moved to a a, a summit climber like you know everybody did in the mm -hmm. early to mid 2000s um and that was kind of so i guess you could say i've always kind of been a mobile hunter just you know it looked a little different back then um but cut my teeth on public, learned um, hill country deer kind of right out of the gate, um, and then um, never really had access to, to much private up here where I'm at. Um, most of the parcels are pretty small. Um, if you got a big parcel, it's probably getting leased, um, or everybody and their brother has permission. If you get a yes here, everybody else got a yes too, um, and you might as well be <laughs> hunting walk in public. Um, it's uh that's just the way it is so you know I, for me growing up public just made sense as far as an acreage standpoint i could at least you know we could go down there and get away from people whereas up here you know you might have the place to yourself but you got a property line not too far away or you have a decent piece of land and everyone else is hunting it anyway so you might as well just go the public route so but uh yeah just kind of grew up in it um hunting and fishing since I was, I mean, I started fishing and hunting small game when I was real little and then started deer and turkeys. Uh, my first turkey I killed when I was 10 uh, in the National Forest in Kentucky, which is about the roughest place a kid could possibly hunt turkeys, um, yep. but it worked out. So I guess I got pretty, pretty um, rough beginnings from the start. I mean, we, I killed them in kind of the hardest, some of the hardest places you could kill them. So it was, uh, 
it was always good for me going anywhere else it felt easier to get on deer and kill them because it you know from a terrain aspect and just a um, aspect of hunting a little bit lower deer densities than other parts of the state um, it made things a lot easier for me so heck yeah man that really hits home because what you said about the private permission pieces i always used to get so excited oh man i got permission (laughs) to hunt here yeah that's a list called everybody yeah (laughs) that can be pretty rough yeah yeah i had a place uh two years ago that was 800 acres here in the county that i live in 500 or 500 five minutes from my house and uh the guy signed a slip for me on the spot and every time i went out there there was a different truck there and i finally got asked the farmer i said you know how many guys do you got hunting this he goes well usually um 10 to 12 a year gun season there's usually i'll sign three or four more slips so you're talking about 15 guys um you know that just all they did was ask the guy if they could hunt I'm like oh it's like well okay i think i'll just pull all my cameras before they get stolen because i think they're more apt to get stolen here than they are on public yeah. because these guys will get more pissed than the guys on public would um so i kind of just pulled everything out of there and that farm ended up getting sold actually at the end of the season so now no one hunts it was that <laughs> ag property yeah it was ag um and some river bottoms. what's that like boxwoods and woodlot type yeah i call I, yeah i mean i mean like scrub trees like uh sycamores cottonwood like stuff like that or what I'm saying is, like in farm country, you have like little squares of woods oh, surrounded yeah, yeah. by ag. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was hunting pretty much the main, you know, 25 acre block of woods. But there was, I was hunting, <laughs> I was hunting a yep. little three acre patch that was thick as hell down by the river, and that's where all the big deer were, and, yeah. and nobody was going back there. So because you had to use a boat to, or waders to get in there, and that was just too much work. Instead of parking your truck and walking 200 yards yeah. to the woodlot next to billy bob so that sounds amazing <laughs> my so, knees and ankles think that sounds great <laughs> yeah so you're talking about access and stuff through water um uh-huh. so and and how you've been mobile for a, a good portion of your hunting mm-hmm. you know career what um you know you you said you were using a summit climber what oh, yeah. is uh what is what is your uh your kind of setup that you've you've uh that you use now or that you've kind of come into within the past, you know, five to six years? Uh, well, I, you know, th- just three years ago, I was a guy that said I would never, you'd never catch me in a saddle <laughs> and now you'd never catch me out of one. Um, so it, it's one of those things. And, you know, I'm not trying to beat the bush on any particular product or company or anything like that, but I started out three years ago um, when I went really, um, wanted to start hunting out of state and and kind of um i have a goal that i i think only aaron satterfield might know about it to be honest with you but i'll say it on here my goal we'll have to try it again next year i guess at home but my goal was to kill a 120 or better on a different mm-hmm. piece of public in ohio every year from here out so i just want a pretty good goal kill, you know it's it's i want to kill a buck and move on and ohio is a state that you can get on 
pretty much any kind of habitat type you want to hunt. Ohio probably has it somewhere <laughs> or another um, to an extent. So um, started a couple of years ago wanting to really get out of state and travel around the state and kill deer in different places. Um, I tried um, some light, you know, lock on hang and hunt kind of deal stands. Um, just couldn't find a system that really worked for me as far as attaching sticks to stands and stands to to packs and things like that and it was a struggle for me um that year i didn't kill um i changed up my setup probably it seemed like every hunt i had something attached differently and i just never got comfortable with my setup um and then we fast forward so that would have been 2021 or 2020 maybe i can't remember um so fast forward to 2022 last year um i knew that wasn't working out yeah i had seen enough guys using a saddle and videos that it was one of those things where i almost felt like i knew how to use a saddle without ever having been in one because you watch guys set up and use them so many times you kind of know how they operate and i go to mobile hunters expo a couple decent guys run that show um <laughs> uh i get lucky enough to win a raffle for a trophy line covert light kit which um i think there were three different saddles i kind of decided i wanted to maybe get into um after trying a bunch on that weekend and that was one of them so got lucky enough to buy two tickets and and win that which I don't ever win anything like that. So that was like a lottery. I'm, I'm, I might as well won the mega millions for me. Um, <laughs> I remember getting that text while I was out scouting actually the next day about winning that. So, um, you know, I got the saddle and everything. And, and last year was, um, I got it in time to practice all summer. And anybody that's listening to this, wanting to get into any kind of mobile hunt, this is just mobile hunting in general whether it's a stand a saddle a climber i know there's a few guys that still use the climbers um the big thing is when you're when you're before the season make sure that you're comfortable with your setup you figure out how you want to attach everything how you want to carry everything how you want things staged while you're climbing and how you need to set things up in the tree based on the gear that you decide to carry to make it efficient to where you can for one get a shot off because you wouldn't believe how many times you can screw yourself setting up wrong in the tree at hunting mm -hmm. right and until and then another thing like once you're up there you know draw your bow figure out you know how how your gear dimensions and your body dimensions and what's going to work for you and what's not and that's a huge thing that i practiced last year in the summer so that when opening day came around or when my first hunt came around for the year, I'm not just putting my stuff on the tree for the first time, trying to figure this out in the dark and getting pissed off because I'm trying to beat everyone there and I can hear the trucks pulling in the gravel lots. And I know we better get it together here <laughs> because if you get irritated, that makes things go a lot worse for you. Uh, I'm not a particularly patient person. You can ask my wife that I <laughs> am a bit of a hothead most of the time and getting mad because you didn't prepare is a good way to go downhill quickly so um last year first year in the saddle i felt pretty comfortable right out of the gate with it because you know i spent the summer trying to get everything worked out uh this year i was in the Venatic from trophy line um 
got affiliated with those guys. They've been taking good care of me. That's a great partnership with me. Um, I switched over from the Covert Light to the Venatic. Um, switched my platform to a little bit bigger platform. What are you using? Um, I'm still I'm using the Wingman, which is our smallest platform. It's designed to be modified to be used as a one stick if you want to. Okay. So it is still very compact. Um, for me, I mean, I'm I'm. You know, I, I might one stick one of these days. I, I probably will eventually. But for now, I, I my system I've got down really good with uh, two minis. And then the wingman essentially has a stick, you know, on the bottom of it as it's designed to be a, a one stick. So um, with the uh, aiders on the those? Two, yeah, yeah, I have three step aiders. Um, with the three step aiders and the two minis in the wingman platform, um, my max height that I can get is around 22 feet um, if I really stretch it out. But I'll be honest with you that that second mini ends up usually being on the ground uh, because it doesn't often make it up the tree, especially early season like this. Really, if you get much higher than, you know, 13 to 15 feet, most of the places I'm at, you're not going to have a shot. You got to stay yep. low. Um, use those lower branches, that lower canopy to cover up your legs and a lot of your movement. And if you get much higher than that, you're taking away your shooting windows. And that's kind of stuff that you you learn that as you go. It's hard to account for that when you're climbing the, you know, telephone pole or the pine tree in your backyard. But you get out there, you get a few hunts and you kind of realize you look at the tree before you climb it and say, OK, like, you know, how high do I really need to get? Because I'm, I don't want to take my options away here. But that's a big thing um, for me is just preparing before the season with your setup figure out what works figure out what the hell makes noise on your setup is a big mm -hmm. deal you would not believe all the little pieces of like exposed plastic and metal that make the loudest noise that you could imagine in the woods um get that stuff figured out and make sure that when it's go time it you know every time we climb a tree it's to kill that's that's got to be the mentality that you have and to to get the job done confidence is a big thing and that starts in your setup for me um making sure that everything is stealth stripped everything is you know bundled up tight and hung in a place where you can get to it fast but it's not um out there flailing around and catching on stuff and making a bunch of noise because you can screw yourself before you even get long before you even get in the tree the tree doesn't matter if you can't get in it clean and you can't you know if you can't get to it clean and you can't get up it clean the tree really doesn't matter so absolutely absolutely i didn't tell you guys this i, I forgot last week when i was out thursday when i went in scouting and hunted like the last hour i was a i was a foot and a half off the ground it's the lowest like I've ever been. Other well, than the being cool on part the is, is you can't really get lower than that without sitting on the ground. <laughs> um, that's uh, so I can't say too much because I I think I told you my no not my first hunt in Kentucky, but probably my third. I think my third hunt in Kentucky again you know, go to this place, can't find a freaking tree to get into. So I picked a locust tree, like, you know, this big around, <laughs> you know, for those that obviously can't see me, it's like four or five inches in diameter tops. And, um, I think I went 
like I put a stick barely off the ground <clears throat> on the tree and then hung my platform right above that stick. Like I could, I couldn't go anywhere. It sucked. Now I later went back there and did the old SRT up into an absolute Ooh. mega chinkapin. But even that sucked, man. I sat in a tree stand, but I could only put that on a limb. And the limbs are like going out like that. So there, mm -hmm. you know, there's no adjustment for that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> like, you can only do so much. So yeah, it, there's just nowhere to sit there. It's rough. Anyway. Yeah, that piece of public's uh it's a pain in the ass. It it's really a pain is. Pain my bunghole, man. <laughs> I'm like not looking forward to muzzleloader season, but I am. I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, Cora. Hopefully, they these people that hate my guts that schedule these damn volleyball games during <laughs> turkey season and during the first six weeks of deer season. Like, hopefully, they get these times to where. Like I'd like to see him start in the morning and be done at like three o'clock. Well, please God, give me the evening. If I can't have the morning, I please have the evening, please. <laughs> I, I took my kids to the dentist today, and they're like six months from now is turkey season, so they're like, oh, like you, when do you want to schedule? And I'm sitting there like doing the math in my head. I'm like, well, first week of. April's like when I normally go fishing and then youth Turkey's going to come in on this weekend and Kentucky's coming in on this weekend and Ohio's coming on this weekend. So I'm like, what's a day that I can get like, they're like, do you want spring break? I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to interfere with anything that I could potentially have time off for. Like do it like at one 30 on a Tuesday or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> That'll work out well. <laughs> So, so speaking of um, getting out in the woods and mm -hmm. using your setup, you uh, put down a nice buck in Ohio last year on public land. Uh, if I'm not, oh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is he? Is he? There he is. Yeah. There he yeah, is. He's right here. Nice. He's pretty decent. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Gee, gee. Oh. Absolutely. So, so tell us, you know. Like, cause you, you started on, if I'm not mistaken, you started in one part of the state, then went to a different part of the state yep. after you, after you kind of figured out some different things that you wanted to try. So kind of, kind of give our listeners an idea of, you know, what you started with, how you came to the inclusion to like, like basically change up everything yeah. and you know, what strategies or techniques did you kind of utilize in order to hunt and kill that buck? Well, so I'm trying to remember my dates here. I believe I killed that deer on November 8th. I think I had been hunting every day since October 28th, I think. Um, I think it's one my first day that I started. Um, I started on some public a little closer to where I live to start. Some place, uh, some place that I was just trying to figure out. I had killed a doe there um, early season and knew there were some good bucks in the area. Um, and I was still in proximity to some good bucks. Um, I ran into a, about 150 inch deer the first day, um, of my rutcation, if you will, as much as I hate that term. Um, 
I ran into one in the rain the first day and, you know, decided to hunt that area for a couple of days. And the pressure was, uh, you might as well have been hunting Michigan. It was, there were guys everywhere. Like every time I got into a set that I felt like, okay, this, this could be the set. There would, you know, be another guy walk in an hour after sunrise to set up for an hour and a half and then go eat Bob Evans. And I was like, this is not going to work. Um, <laughs> I am not going to spend two weeks doing this. Um, so I just went back to Southern Ohio. I went back to the Hills. I went back to what I know, um, you know, some, some historical places growing up with my dad that I had hunted, um, in places that you can generally, like, I will bet, I don't have a lot of money, but I would bet as much as I could bet that they would produce deer every year. And I hadn't been down there at all until, you know, the rut, till you know, that first week in November. And I had been hearing, which you guys all know, hunting mainly down there, the, the uh, mass crop last year was terrible, um, pretty much non-existent. Um, and I had been hearing that and... I didn't grasp how bad it was until I got there and I spent an entire day walking the spots that we generally always kill deer in and there was not a single acorn. I didn't find one in a full day of scouting, not a single one. So I knew um, that was not going to work. I think I threw a sit at a spot that we have killed a deer. I'm pretty sure we've killed one every single sit and that's between me and my dad, probably 50 or 60 sits over the years. We've shot a deer every time on it. Um, I sat that the first evening just to see, and I saw two, two fawns and I knew like, okay, this is, we gotta, we gotta just beat feet and burn some boot leather. Cause this ain't going to work. Um, I went and scouted an area that we had watched bucks cross from public on, or I'm sorry, private onto public, um, for years, big deer all the time, scouted that no acorns, um, some sign, but no acorns really and, and i didn't feel good about the sign so then i got um just a wild hair which i do that often uh i always have a plan and it changes 36 times before i do something um <laughs> so it sounds a lot like I, someone else on this podcast I, just, uh, I knew of an area that i had driven by before that was entirely different um it was not hardwoods i don't want to give too much away uh but it was not hardwoods it was big timber cuts um pretty new timber cuts so mainly crp for a lot of acres and i said you know what this is just something different like i'm not on them anyway where i'm at so why not like we'll just go see what happens um and got into deer pretty much right away i i initially had the plan that i was going to try to you know glass deer and figure out how they were moving in and out of these draws and try to put a, some pieces of the puzzle together on how to get in there and get on them um ended up blowing a shit ton of deer out um just there were deer everywhere i just couldn't get so um i picked a i picked a draw that looked pretty good um and i did did actually find some oaks down in there finally that was like the only draw and they were uh they're pin oaks, um, not necessarily a premier food source, but they're only oaks that I found and all the sign was there. Um, so the first, I'm trying to think, um, I think I, I, the, the way the thermals were, I didn't want to hunt that spot in an evening. I felt that wasn't going to be 
very beneficial. Um, I obviously, you, if you don't know an area well, it can be hard to predict thermals. You guys hunt hill country, you know that you've put a plan together of what the thermals should do, and then they don't do that. Um, so initially, the first morning I hunted it, I sat until uh, about nine. Not, I don't even know if it was nine. It was probably eight thirty. Way earlier, like a time the first week of November when you probably shouldn't get out of the tree. Um, and I just, I didn't feel good. The tree just didn't feel like the tree. I was on some, on a good rub line, but I just didn't feel like I had quite the sign I, I probably should have been on. So I got down um, and I only moved, I don't know, 150 yards. I think it was maybe a little less than that, just a, around a low logging road. And immediately when I got to that hub, the sign was, Kind of what i was looking for you know as far as it really picked up and you could tell that where i was previously was where one of the bucks decided to go but where i ended up was where all of the bucks were coming from and you know i felt like okay this is where i need to be and about the time i started looking around for a tree that would work <laughs> about 160 inch deer ran a doe right by me at sub 50 yards buck roared um chased her all over the country and i thought well i probably shouldn't go anywhere because he's dogging <laughs> a doe in here and if i stay in the mix it's only a matter of time before that deer dies or another one that's in here trying to you know move in on her. there's a hot doe so you really shouldn't move in the first week in november i mean i think pretty much everyone's on the same page there um so i got in a tree that afternoon i decided to let him do his thing and move off I heard him run off. I got some lunch and I felt like I could, I found a tree that would work for an evening sit. Obviously I'm in down in the hub a little more now. And I set up and the deer that I killed actually was the only deer I saw that evening. Um, and he came through the hub and he hit a logging road that I couldn't see from where I was. It was just a little bit below me around the military crest. Um, and I thought, okay like i was just off wind and i felt like in the morning the wind was going to be consistent with what it was that forecasted that day so it was kind of a guess but i i felt like i knew what it would do in the mornings based on what it was doing that evening um made an adjustment picked a tree before dark um for the next day and got in it clean and a came down the same trail the opposite direction and i shot him at i think like 8 30 in the morning so um it was one of those moves where you know it's a little risky but it, you know it goes back to confidence thing i talked about earlier like that's a big part of it for me and i know you, you hear a lot of guys that kill every year good bucks talking about you gotta believe in what you're doing if you don't if you're not confident in what you're doing it's probably not going to work out, especially if you've been doing this a long time and you got pretty good gut instincts. You probably need to follow them. I can't tell you how many bucks I probably haven't killed over the years because I overthought things and didn't go with my gut. But that was a move. And that goes back to the mobile hunting thing now. It's like being it's so easy for me to get down and move, you know, just down the hill or, you know, you know, 100 yards down or whatever. And just check out that next secondary ridge point or that next next ditch down there that logging road that i can see there's no way that i can shoot down there but i can see it and it looks good um you know that was a move that was risky but i felt i went from probably i would say like 
30, 40% confident that I was in the right area to, uh, okay, that's the tree. I just had a big deer on a hot doe by me. Like, I don't know what else I have to see to tell me that I need to be here. And then, you know, I see the buck that I killed skirt me just out of range. And it was like, yeah, okay. So you didn't kill him tonight. You're killing him in the morning. It's no doubt about it. He's in here. There's a hot doe in here, made the move and killed him. It wasn't really, I didn't feel like it was an accident, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, absolutely. You know, and I don't feel like killing mature deer on public land. That doesn't happen on accident. Um, that happens because, of, you know, you're not in the ball game and it. It's one of those things you can't be too proud to admit that sometimes you're not in the ball game. Like if somebody's like, Hey, how's it going? Well, I'm getting my ass kicked. Uh, <laughs> I, I really need to do something different because the first two days of that trip, I was really getting my ass kicked. I was like, dude, I can't find any deer. Like, this is not good. Like I was about to go home with my tail tucked and I just ain't that kind of guy. So I was like, you know what, if this ain't working, find something that's basically the polar opposite. And somewhere, if that doesn't work, then you meet in the middle, find somewhere that's in the middle and make that right. happen. So that's kind of, that was the plan on that deer and it, it worked out for me. So. Well, you have, you have to kind of look at it from a standpoint of like, I do this with fishing all the time where I, I want to fish one way and like I can look at a I can look at a live scope or something like that and I can see where the fish are. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you could drop shot for them. And I'm like, nope, gonna throw top waters. I'm gonna keep throwing top waters until yeah. I have a fish bite. And like yeah. th like you gotta get it out of your head. Yeah. Specifically with deer hunting. It's it's like um Chris, you had this, I think you and I talked about this, um, about a piece of public in Kentucky where you just said like, I'm going to start keep walking until I find what I know I need to be seeing. And when I yep. know I need to be seeing, that's when I'm going to set up. And yep. that's, that's a tough pill to swallow when you mm -hmm. go in and you think that this is, this is what needs to happen. Cause this is what I did when I was scouting and all that yep. kind of stuff. And then it, you know, goes foobar on you and you got to switch it all up. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, hearing that takes me back to my my first sit in Indiana last year. And essentially, like I talked with Josh and Pierce and all these guys about, you know, a really good strategy just going in and I'm going in blind. And, you know, you get there, you set up and I had little bucks coming by, but I was like, man, I just don't feel like I'm in it. Like I'm seeing yeah. deer. I've got does and I've got little bucks, but I just don't feel yeah. like I'm where I need to be. I go up into this oxbow, you know, I scout my way in there. I'm like, okay, jump up a shooter with a couple of does and then um, find a giant pin oak that's raining. Uh, raining. Mm -hmm. There's a good scrape under a beech tree, one of the only beech trees I found there. Had a great scrape under it. Hadn't really found a good scrape yet. I'm like, well, can it get better than this? Like, this is this is pretty good. Let's get yeah. up here and and see what we see. And then ended up getting a shot. Of course, you know, man, that makes me realize that uh, <laughs> I started this year off how I basically ended last year. But uh, <laughs> I missed that deer. Um, we're gonna. Well, we're moving forward. <laughs> we're we're gonna start calling the uh what what's the movie blow um that was freaking blew a super i blew a chip shot there like there was no that's one though that i was very very pissed about because i don't know how i missed the deer 
I I haven't yeah. posted about it yet, but I missed a deer this past Friday, and yeah. I know I got yarded. Like, I know what happened, and at the height of my archery career, I was the shittiest yardage judger, literally ranked dead last in the world history books <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to yardage judging. So I'm like, you know, this sucks and it's tough, but that's me. The other one in Indiana, no idea. I knew he was my top pin, 21 yards, like it was yeah. a chip shot, and I have no idea how I missed the deer. I could have hit a little twig and just not seen it, but yep. I didn't see it. So anyway, reminds me, though, because I remember specifically – <clears throat> telling myself like don't don't just sit here to sit here man get your yeah. ass down and go you know if you're not feeling it yep. go you know and you yep. can't always just move around and every time you know you go 40 minutes without seeing a deer yeah, yeah. i'm to move but like you got to feel that confidence and that yep. and that confidence comes from something and if you don't have it well there's a reason generally yeah exactly Unless Unless you're a basket case like me, which Josh could go on about for three decades, but um, <laughs> you know it gets it gets rough. I, I'm actually yeah. proud of him for putting up with me. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I need counseling order. when it comes to deer hunting, man, because I'm like, oh, well, do you think like it can never just go right how you plan? Like, there's always all these oh, variables. Yeah. It's like, come yeah. on, man. Yeah, that's uh. <laughs> Like, I mean, I'll be honest, I run a ton of cameras on public and I have yet to even not, not just not kill a buck that I have on camera. I have yet to even hunt an area that I'm running cameras. That's how scatterbrained I get. But, you know, I, it's, it, it comes down to, you know, I've got the, I'm still getting intel in those areas every year of bucks so that if I get hard up for one, you know, I know there's deer in there there's cameras are there every year um but i i like hot sign man that's what that's where you know i don't and, and it goes back to you know we want to, so many guys want it to happen the way they want it to happen and they hunt the deer where they think the deer should be that's not going to work very well for you you're going to figure that out pretty quick after you mm -hmm. sit a few times and don't see anything you need to hunt the deer where they are and especially early and late season when it's a food-based movement if you're not hunting hot sign, you might as well be sitting in a dang truck. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you can't hunt them. Oh, I think that they should be here or that this spot has white oaks or it has, you know, a good hub with, you know, leeward points looking over it, you know, or yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Leeward. Um, but it's like, well, the, the sign's not there. So I don't care. Like if I'm not going in and I'm not finding rubs that were made, in the last three or four days and i'm not finding feed sign and i'm not hearing white oaks dropping and there's feed sign around them and i'm not seeing 15 new scrapes that the bucks made because it's the first cold front of october and they're going to make scrapes then i'm going to move on and it, it's one of those things where think oh i'm wasting my three days to hunt because i didn't sit no you'd be wasting your three days by sitting somewhere where the deer are not currently at um if anything you're just crossing spots off you know that aren't going to work which is not an l you're not taking an l in my book by figuring out where they're not it narrows down where they are pretty easily mm -hmm. so dude the majority me and josh have this talk all the time because it's so frustrating you pick like <laughs> 10 spots on a map oh yeah in a wma or whatever 
eight or nine of them are going to suck. But then you find the one. Yeah. Like literally scouting and deer hunting is where do I not go today? Like you're always yeah. ruling stuff out, constantly ruling things out. Yeah. It's frustrating, but that's that's literally the name of the game. I oh god, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I I get yeah. exact it's exactly what you said though. I'll see a spot on a map and I'll be like, man, that looks so sexual. And then you oh, go yeah. there and you're like, this is some bullshit. This yeah, is I'm glad stupid. I just blew my legs out for nothing. I literally yeah, I spent <laughs> the whole day. <laughs> I, I had a spot in Indiana. There was going to be a booner here. Like I had it all dreamed up. Perfectly. <laughs> Nobody was going to walk this far. I think it was like a 3.7 mile walk one way. Oh, it was a trek, dude. That's a, and yeah, I drugged my father-in-law. I think I did 14 miles, 14 and some change that day. And uh, I drugged my 66-year-old father-in-law with me. And oh, my God. Shame dude, on you, got, dude. We got all the way back there. <laughs> and these damn boners from the private land had this big-ass mineral site, a big-ass wooden blind built in on the public. They had a four-wheeler trail going down it, and I'm like, you sons of bitches. Like, this, <laughs> yeah. this is ruined. I'd and, oh. yeah, I'd ask them if I could access from there. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I was so pissed. And then Josh and I had a gorgeous spot picked here in Ohio. And we get there, and, like, every tree is painted ready to be cut down oh, and schwacked. Oh, man. And we're, we're just sitting there. We're yeah. like, well, what the hell do we do now? Like this, <laughs> well, this pisses me off. Now, three years from now, that could oh, be yeah. the juice. But oh yeah, that's where I'd be, um, dude. But that actually, that spot where the private land dorks got all their cocaine, drug running shit going on, that's where I found that big ass shed um, this past season. So. This past scouting season. So I probably oh, I should have a, thrown some cams up. I got me a, a pretty nice one there. I don't know if you can yeah, see the faces nice. there. Nice. Uh, that's probably, I don't know, my probably my second best shed ever. That's uh, really nice shed, man. Yeah, I found that this, this week uh, or this weekend when I was in Kentucky. So nothing like an in-season yeah. shed. Yeah. I was going to say that. That gives you some hope then. Yeah, well, and it's funny. I, I ironically, um, that's probably my second biggest shed. My biggest mm -hmm. shed to date came from the exact same ridge when I was 13 during youth turkey season down there. Um, nice. So you're talking 15 years ago almost, and there's still a uh, big deer holding in there. So that that's going to be one that I spend a lot of time at. <laughs> some, some areas... Some areas, man, yep. they just they just produce big deer. I've got a place yep. in Ohio where I hunt, and Ooh, every that that's one. a nice one. It's every, like a every year, thirty-five inch six point. Jeez, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We'll take that <laughs> every year. And Chris and Josh have seen the pictures of these deer. There's nice deer there every yep. single year, and yep. it's just like they all concentrate in this area. And it's it's public running into private, and then it's public running into public that no one's gonna even try to access. Um, yeah. Which is which is why I think those deer get as big as they do sometimes. But oh yeah, yep. 
Yeah, I really know why this area has so many big deer. I'll be honest with you, <laughs> it's kind of overlooked. I feel like because that's probably why. Because you know, I it ain't super far in, not for me anyway. Hell, it was a chip shot for me. It, it was an easy one, um, but there's a lot of big deer in there. So, yeah, there there are areas that just hold big deer. It's kind of like my yeah. goal on public. Um, Charles Golson, also known as Chaz, oh. talked about. Oh his <laughs> talked about his I don't strategy. story on that but he killed a giant jesus yes but i mean he has areas picked out for different times of the year he knows in this yeah. area he can go early season in yep. this area he can go early october in this area he can go mid-october and that's where the bigger deer are holding up which is kind of my goal as far as yeah. learning these different areas on public and i'm like like you said earlier, I have multiple cams out on different places. Yep. Um, and I'll leave them to soak. Sometimes I forget them. I still have cameras out from June of 22. Was that the one on the power line you want me to come get for you? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's where that's where the I thought I you were. On. <laughs> yeah, I was convinced you were at this. I was yeah. in like, the same state. <laughs> no. I saw that. And I'm like, oh. If he's on that power line, I think is he's not terribly far from those cameras. <laughs> no, I'm probably a couple hundred miles from there. <laughs> yeah, but I'm oh, gonna go there this weekend and pull those cameras. Hopefully, they're still there. But well, I got one I couldn't find from two years ago. I don't know, and I I might have got stolen. Maybe that's why I couldn't find it. But I'm pretty convinced I just wasn't in the right spot. I I I I can't find it anywhere. So one of these years I'll find it maybe, or um, I don't know. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'll I'll see if those cams are still there this weekend or not. Um, but yeah, my goal is to just find those areas that just yeah. hold larger deer, kind of year after year, or or just areas where they like to travel at certain times of the year. Um, yeah, I feel like you see that quite often. I, I learned that just from hunting private. Yeah, like there are just certain areas where you can be at certain times of the year. Yeah, and then there's going to be yeah. nice deer that roll through there. Yeah, you'll um, see every every good deer in the area on that farm a certain couple weeks a year. It seems like. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Learning learning so much about the food shifts <laughs> last year, how like, yep. you know, a certain grove of red oaks were good for ten days, fifteen yep. days. Uh, a certain oh, yeah. a certain flat with white oaks, six, seven, eight days. Like, it's super depressing being a private land guy that sat and sat and sat and sat and you're like yeah you wasted a bunch of time because they yeah. were never coming they were not yeah they started putting corn out they came then but even then it's like well i hope the moon and the barometric pressure and the weather and the wind speed and the wind direction all these things are perfect and nobody screws it up and and yeah. it gets cold enough <laughs> and like you gotta have all these things going it's like my God, just put me somewhere where I can go, go move on the deer. I don't like, I don't want property, property lines. Yep. That's, I feel that for sure. And you're talking about the um, changing food sources. That, that's a big thing for me. Like, and it goes back to the uh, historical intel with the cameras in the big woods, man, it is hard to really hard to stay on that food shift. And 
I, I, that's part of where my historical data is coming in with with the cameras is I ran seven cameras within a quarter mile, a little more than a quarter mile, probably we'll say two thirds of a mile radius last year in this same system. Um, I had seven cameras, which is a pretty good amount of cameras in a, for public land in that small of a radius. I generally don't run that many in that small of an area, but you would see I had all the same bucks on camera. But it was all the same three or four that they were all there was good. They were real good deer. I mean, um, you know, 140 class and up. There was one that was uh, probably pushing 160 last year. But anyway, um, you I had all them same deer on camera, but you would see them like, OK, the first two weeks of October, they were over here on this one camera. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, I had them predominantly on these two cameras that were pretty close together. And then as the season went on, you would see them move through this system they stayed in the system all year but you know especially when you're bow hunting if you're you know 200 yards off you might not you're not in a ball game even close you might as well be two miles away i mean so you, you it was kind of interesting you see that and you know that shift's got to be related to food because they're not moving that far it ain't it's not a pressure aspect i don't feel like moving them around it's not a it's not a um a pecking order thing with with the bucks which one dominant or whatever because it was the same bucks every time on all those cameras but you you you, you can kind of correlate that to okay from you know and i had them all summer doing that from summer to january till they shed they were moving through the system but i'd get them on two or three cameras for two three weeks at a time and then they wouldn't be there anymore so that's kind of something i'm looking back at now like okay depending on what weekend or what time of year I'm down there, this is where they always were at. Like I need to probably be over there. Um, yeah. You know, and it, Cause it, you can have an area. I mean, I guess if I drew an area around that, it probably wouldn't be, but uh, maybe, a, you know, a thousand acres tops, but you know, in a thousand acres, <laughs> I mean, they can, there's so many different places they can hide out, especially in the mountains like that. I mean, they get down mm-hmm. to so many different draws and stuff. So, you know, I can see how that, that uh historical data also relates to that food shift too so oh yeah oh yeah well (laughs) how long have we been at this um let me pull it up almost an hour we we still have another deer to talk about yeah oh yeah yeah that one's pretty quick chris Chris, just make we're 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 at 45 minutes we're completely fine okay Try not to get yelled at by... That was the perfect commercial break area. Hey, everybody. Rick here from Fueled by the Outdoors, and I'm here to tell you about a wonderful company, Saddies, custom ammunition and gun works. Aaron Satterfield and his family have been turning out some awesome game loads lately. Uh, I've been using the Saddies Fatties uh, turkey loads, and i got to tell you, they stop a bird dead. Chris uh, used a 20 gauge this year. I used a 12. Josh used a 20. And uh, my son actually killed one with a 410 this year with uh, one of Saddies loads. And my God, do they put the birds down like crazy. Aaron Satterfield and his family have a wide-ranging array of ammunition, custom game loads, predator loads, turkey loads, the Saddies Fatty, and also they do gun work. Please get a hold of them with any questions that you have in terms of your custom ammunition needs. Go to saddiesllc.com. That's S-A-T-T-I-E-S-L-L-C.com and tell them that Rick from Fueled by the Outdoors sent you. So we're we're coming right into your new deer. So, so tell All us right. about the, tell us about the other deer. All right. So the other deer, um, 
I don't have him with me. He's actually <laughs> long story I won't get into, but he's at my Buckmaster scores. He's at his house in the freezer. Uh, we had a mishap. I'm an idiot and did not lay him in the freezer in a manner which he could score him once he was frozen. Um, so he had to hang on to him and let him thaw out and then score him. Um, <laughs> and we got to get him to the taxidermist this week. He didn't go. He didn't go much, but I, I haven't looked at his teeth very well yet um i think he's a seven or eight year old deer i can say that pretty confidently i've had pictures of that deer for i think three or four years i have to look back and see for sure that deer obviously a mature deer he came off of a three acre parcel um that my grandfather owns um kind of been a goal i i hunted there a little bit um when i was starting in junior high um and i've hunted there pretty much my whole life it's just a good place to go shoot a couple does early season generally um but running i always run one camera there in this inside you know corner of this field and uh every year there's always one good deer on camera sometimes there's two and sometimes there's a bunch of three-year-olds that need a couple more years you know and they got potential there's always decent deer around and there's always one usually one good one that i would shoot um so I, I was going to end up as I killed that deer on Monday and I had, I had essentially Sunday and Monday to hunt and that was it. Um, and I was going to drive two hours North to some public and it was public. I wasn't real familiar with at all. Um, and I was going to drive up there in the afternoon on set on Sunday and glass very lightly scout because by the time I got there, it was going to be getting to prime time where you don't want to be walking around too much really. Um, but I was going to try to glass and then Monday I was going to burn the boot leather in the morning and try to find a spot to hunt in the evening. Well, it turns out we didn't have a babysitter lined up for Monday because my wife had to work and I had the day to hunt, but we didn't have anybody that could watch our daughter. So, um, on Sunday, I didn't get an answer on somebody that could babysit for Monday for me to even hunt. So I didn't know if I was even going to get to hunt now on Monday. I was like, man, I don't know if I'm even going to get to hunt. Like, you know, so be it, whatever. It's early still. Um, but, uh, you know, Sunday, I didn't get an answer until about 2.30 in the afternoon, 3 o'clock, something like that, of who could even watch her the next day to free me up. So I was like, well, hell it's three o'clock. I'm not going to drive two hours north now and get up there at five o'clock with no intel and basically um, a little over, you know, 24 hours to get the job done. So I thought, well, maybe I just won't hunt at all. You know, maybe we'll just wait. It's not meant to be. Can't make it happen. Um, And then I thought to myself, well, if I were to try to force something, if I were to get really aggressive and roll the dice like I love to do so much. And usually my dice are pretty poor, but we'll roll them anyway. Um, <laughs> I was like, what could I do? And I thought, well, my grandpa's it lays out, and I wish I could have a map of it to show you. Um, no, I don't have to worry about anybody stealing the spot because it ain't worth stealing, to be honest with you, most of the time. But basically, <laughs> it's a, a very thick, you know, three-acre wood lot. Most of the trees at this point, it's been there so long it, there's a lot of ash and hickory nut trees and there's kind of scrub trees most of the trees are dead to the point where i would not climb them or they've already fallen over um so it's essentially a big bedding area um and there are 
there's a big 30 or 40 acre woodlot that no one is allowed to hunt to the west of there and a fence line that connects the two. Uh, generally, most of the deer are in the big timber at, to the west and east winds blowing right into it. You cannot hunt my grandpa's that inside corner. You're going to blow every deer out because they come from inside corner to inside corner and they use the fence line as a as their funnel essentially well the only reason i could pull this off was because the crops were all three of the fields um the field to the to the uh southeast of my grandfather's up by his house was standing corn the field to the south of where i sat up where my set was and to the north between the two woodlots they were all standing corn so i thought well if i walk in straight up and normally I wouldn't do this because if the corn was down, it'd be a wide open field. But I said, if I walk up this inside edge of this corn on the south end of my grandpa's woods, an east wind is going to blow my wind straight down the backside of my grandpa's woods. And basically, I'm going to get on the fence line and I'm going to be 10 yards off wind of that inside corner where those deer are going to filter out of that the neighbors um, a big t big timber block where they usually come out and i thought well, that's pretty dicey but it probably will work um because it was only two or three mile an hour winds anyway i think yeah that was the days where it was 85 degrees in the afternoon and you know <laughs> 40 in the morning so that's i like those morning sits when it's like that early season if it's cold in the morning i don't care what the afternoon temp is really um but i felt like the wind was calm enough at least in the evening that I could probably it would swirl and it you know I might get busted but I'd rather it be calm than a stiff east wind blowing 10 yards off line because if one of those deer doesn't do exactly what they're supposed to I'm going to get busted for sure so I rolled the dice um I picked a tree in that fence line and I have permission so that standing cornfield between my grandfather's woods and the big 20 acre woods um I've never had permission there before, but I got permission. The, the guy that farms, it's a good friend of mine. And he actually bought that, that strip of field. It's only 75 yards wide by about 400 yard long strip of standing corn. But he bought that and he said, yeah, you're good to shoot deer in that standing corn. I don't care. Like knock yourself out. So I was able to expand my real estate basically by just this little corner of cornfield between these two woodlots. And I always, every time I've, I've grown up hunting this place, every sit, I watch those deer come down that fence line. And I always say, man, if I could hunt that fence line, I would have killed every big deer I've ever seen on this property. Like, no doubt about it. Um, and now I'm, that's in play for me. So I get in the fence line. There's one big tree I've looked at for years that I thought, man, that's the tree. That's a killing tree every year for the next 20, the rest of my life, basically. I can kill a big deer out of that tree if I can get in it. So I go right to it. Um, I hung my first stick, and uh, as soon as I stepped on the stick, uh, I jumped about a 140 class eight pointer, the biggest, one of the biggest eight pointers I've ever seen in my life was bedded 40 yards from the tree that I decided to hunt. Um, and he ran off and I thought, well, this was not a good idea right off the rip. Not a good idea. Um, but I'm already here and I got up seven feet off the ground. The tree that I hunted was a huge walnut tree, probably the biggest walnut tree I've ever seen. 
I could barely get my arms around it. Um, matter of fact, uh, I had to, when I put my platform up, I was at the very end of my cam buckle strap. When I hooked it on to the Versa button, I didn't have to cinch it down at all. It was maxed out. I barely made it um, by about an inch, uh, less than an inch. Um, but there was honeysuckle all around the base of the tree. So I thought, well, I'll just get up around the top of those honeysuckles where my knees are, you know, covered up by them. And this tree's big enough that it's as wide as my shoulders. I'm going to be covered up pretty good. Um, and, uh, I sat the rest of the night and, um, you know, that place is always good when the corn's still up. It's good when they cut it too. If it's beans, it's not very good just cause there ain't much there for them. Um, if it's fresh cut corn, it's good, but standing corn, man, they, it's a sanctuary area and they were stacked in there. Um, I seen a good three-year-old that I passed probably a one, he actually was bigger than the deer I killed. Um, but he was a young deer probably 125 130 class eight came through about an hour before dark went right where that big bucket went and then i decided not to shoot the two does that came in at last light right seven yards under my tree because i thought well there's a couple good bucks in here i know that i need to come back tomorrow like they're here right now they're not leaving everything they need food cover you know everything is here for them that big buck wasn't bumped hard. I just watched him bound off and go in the neighbor's timber. You could hear him stop in there. He never blew. I don't think he ever even saw me. I think he just heard something that shouldn't have been there. Um, so I thought, I'm coming back tomorrow. I didn't shoot the does. Didn't want to blow it out. Um, I got in an hour and 45 minutes before daylight on, on Monday. Because I just I had to go so slow. And I actually took a set of loppers with me. Because I don't know if you've ever tried to get in a fence row in, you know, any part of Ohio, it's all honeysuckle and it is uh-huh. loud and you cannot penetrate that stuff at all. It is God awful. And Terrible. I thought I'm, I'm 40 yards from bedded deer. I already know that. Cause I jumped the one that I wanted to kill. The one I came here to kill is I've already busted him. So, um, I thought, you know, maybe a bump and dump situation here where I ease off and, He's not sure it's early season. He's not sure what that was. He comes back tomorrow and surprise, it's game over. Um, so I took a set of loppers in with me and I cut every honeysuckle to from the standing corn right to the base of the tree. I cut them real slow, real quiet, just enough to crawl on my hands and knees to the base of the tree. And I, I left everything in the tree the night before because I'm like, dude, I'm coming back tomorrow. I cannot get this stuff down in the dark quietly. The, the doe's bedded like 60 yards from the tree that night. So I left everything in there. I got in there like almost two hours before legal and I killed that deer at eight 30. He came in, there was four bucks by eight 30 that came in all sub 20 yards. Um, and they pretty much all stood up out of their beds and, and walked right by the tree. I watched all of them stand up. Um, and he was the, the last one of that group and, uh, came in and, gave me a it the the shot was really good but i didn't think it was really good uh chris was one of the first people that i called i actually let the deer lay for six hours and he probably was dead 30 seconds after i shot him um, <laughs> and, I, and i'm colorblind as hell so i don't i cannot see blood at all like you might as well just forget about it Damn. and and standing corn to boot probably the hardest stuff to find blood in you know other than canary grass or maybe cattails um 
so I, I shoot the deer and I hit him. I, you know, I watched the video back and that was a mistake because it made me feel even worse about the shot. I knew I hit him high. I knew I wasn't very high in the tree, so I didn't have much angle on him at all. I pretty much shot. It's like was basically like shooting a target in a backyard as far as the trajectory of the shot went. Um, hit him high, like real high, um, to the point where I was kind of surprised I didn't spine him, to be honest with you. So immediately thought, oh, I backstrapped him, um, but I didn't get a pass through. So that ruled that out pretty quickly, too. And initially, then I thought, oh, that was high shoulder, but I knew it was further back than the shoulder. I didn't shoulder him. So I called Chris. I said, well, the two positives is I don't think I shouldered him and I don't think I backstrapped him, but I don't know what the hell I hit. Hopefully the artery in his back, maybe a lung, I don't know. And I didn't get a ton of penetration with my arrow, which really made me nervous. That was probably what I was sickest about. Um, and when I say not a lot, I mean probably, well, I'd say seven inches of arrow maybe was all I got in him. Um, but it sounded good. I heard the diaphragm pop, which was that that was like, I was like, man, that sounds good. You know, we all know that sound. Um, and then in this, in, despite watching the video 30 times probably back, I never saw the deer mule kick and I took him over. I went to pick my buddy up to help me track him and immediately showed him the video. And the first thing he saw was, he said was, oh, he mule kicked. So immediately I'm like, well, that's a good sign. Like generally speaking, a mule kick is a, that's a good sign. Um, so we went out and he was me and my dad, and my buddy, Bo. we went out and uh, yeah, he was dead 50 yards from where I shot him. He tipped over immediately. Where did you um, end up hitting him? So I got double lung. Um, I hit a rib and luckily it deflected forward instead of back. So I didn't get liver and guts. I got hit the back of one lung skipped off that rib and it hit it didn't go all the way through the second one but it punctured the second one um and i clipped the artery in his back too he was actually bleeding vertically like six seven feet up the corn stalks i'd never seen a deer bleed upward like that wow um, but yeah wow. it was a, if i would have just and, and when i heard him stop i thought he stopped inside the timber there and the neighbors which i'm not allowed to go in without permission anyway so i thought well i got to call this guy anyway to go get this deer and I didn't want to go look for first blood even because I thought, man, I cannot walk quietly in that standing corn. And if he's bedded over there, I don't want to bump him because it's, you know, 30 yards from where I thought I heard him. If I would have just gotten down and looked for first blood, I would have found the deer. But I just got straight down and went to the house to watch the video. And my dad was like, we come around the corner of the fence line. And he's like, there's two buzzards in the tree right there. And we found <laughs> first, first blood immediately. And we're walking and my dad goes well there's your arrow and i said well jesus christ there's a whole buck attached to him what do you mean there's my arrow <laughs> the whole deer's laying there and he's like i'll be damn like you know he didn't go anywhere but that's awesome um, you know i i chalked that one up to you know i think i posted uh in the, the mobile hunter group a little bit of a, a tactic <clears throat> situation there was just the just off wind that you hear guys talk about andy may comes to mind immediately when you talk about just off winds and greg Litzinger's another guy if guys are looking for other good guys better than me to listen to just off wind stuff, um, it doesn't matter where the wind's blowing necessarily in your tree. It matters where the wind's blowing, where you're going to shoot the deer. Um, if it's blowing the general direction, it's not such an issue. If you know where your shot's going to be, 
you just make sure it's not it's not blowing there you could kill the deer essentially my thought was every deer here is going to win me if i don't kill it before it wins me um which was exactly what would have happened if i didn't shoot that deer about exactly when i did he he was lip curling i already saw the look in his eyes you thought oh shit, this is you got about 10 seconds to decide if you're going to kill this if you're going to kill this deer you need to kill him if not he's gonna you're gonna he's gonna make your day right here in a bad way so that that was essentially a just off win strategy and obviously a really aggressive um strategy i i generally wouldn't try that this early in the year but your first sit's your best sit i you hear that a lot too and I, yeah i'm a firm, firm believer in that if you know they're in there you know there ain't no reason to go nowhere else it goes back to confidence i seen four deer and a two and i got in late uh sunday night when i hunted i got in late i only hunted like less than two hours hour and 45 minutes of daylight was all i had left and i seen four deer and you know two one was a shooter buck one was another good buck you know it's like well it's probably a safe bet right now they're not moving far and i saw that many deer in the last hour of daylight there's pretty good chance uh there i'm right in the middle of all of them and you know you gotta sometimes you gotta give up deer to kill deer and i was willing to take that bet on that deal because you're right in the middle of them you blow a couple out maybe but you're going to be right there and you're probably going to end up filling a tag. So uh, I always t you tell guys too, like you got to give up deer to get deer sometimes. And especially if you're hunting like the core bedding areas, like I know Josh been keying on those a lot early season, not going to give too much juice away. I don't want to give too much sauce away for, <laughs> for guys, but you might want to look at some core bedding areas early season. And, and that's going to vary, you know, depending on where you're at in the country, what, what those are, but you got to be, you can't be scared, man. If you're going to go in there and shoot a big deer, especially, and it goes back to like the small parcel thing. If that deer is comfortable in a small parcel, there's a reason for it. You're obviously right there with him because he's not, you know, big deer don't move far. It, it don't matter what time of year it is. They don't generally move very far or mature deer, I should say. Um, so I knew like there's a mature because I had pictures of that deer this summer too. I knew he was in the area. I'm like, if he's holed up right here, He's not going anywhere. I need to go in there and I need to kill him. I don't care if I blow out. I didn't want to blow the 140 out. That was I, that wasn't really what I was looking to do. But you know, so be it. Like if if you're if you want to kill a mature deer or a big deer, they're not going to move far. Get aggressive. Get in there amongst them. And if you got to give up three or four does or a couple two year olds or a three year old, that's fine. That's not the deer you're there to kill you can't be scared to go in there and that's the only way i think you're going to kill a big buck most of the time especially on on public land where they're getting pushed or you, you get them pushed around a lot the first couple of weeks and then they figure out okay i can hide here and i'm not leaving because if i do i will get killed by someone else like someone's out there they find that little hole that little cubby that they want to live in you better get in there you're not going to kill him so that was mainly the the strategy there was to get in tight to them set yourself up to do that and and play your just off wins um you know it's it's dicey i i didn't even throw any milkweed because i was just going to get mad if i did it's one of those deals where <laughs> it goes back to confidence like you start throwing milkweed you're like oh shit you know every half hour you're like god dang it the wind's doing something different this is a disaster it's like you're already in there do hunt your hunt you know put your chin down pay attention 
and you you know that if the conditions are like that you're not going to have long to get your shot off that deer gives an opportunity you bust his ass that's that's what you got to do you can't mature deer ain't going to stand around and give you all this pretty footage and uh, you know oh, <laughs> i got i got 30 minutes of footage of him you know carousing around chasing does and sparring with young bucks that doesn't really happen very often not real um, life no yeah no that's maybe if you got you know a thou i'm not going to drop any names but you got a couple thousand acres of manicured property and you only shoot seven-year-olds yeah that might you might get some really good footage of a five-year-old buck acting like a goon but uh generally speaking if a deer that's over four gives you a shot you better bust his ass it's funny you talk about not wanting to throw milkweed there's been multiple times both <laughs> successful and unsuccessful where i've tossed milkweed and the whole time i'm just bitching I'm like this oh, is yeah. this is some bullshit but yeah, i've noticed was... <laughs> <clears throat> the successful hunts they were lower wind speeds like yeah we'll say 3 to 7 roughly miles an hour and yep. it was all there was always that calm down that last 45 minutes hour whatever right yeah and then you have that thermal switch and then like there's nights like last night where i wanted to choke a kitten dude, uh, last night was terrible for me it was a disaster <laughs> dude the wind <laughs> a disaster name a direction and the answer is yes the wind blew that way <laughs> yeah. it, and it's at like 15 miles an hour dude like, i'm glad i'm stupid. not the only one holy shit i was pissed off and i multiple <laughs> times i'm like you should just get down but the thing is what would have happened what the hunting gods and mother nature would have done to oh, me oh yeah I already know. I would have I would have got down, got like you know, a few hundred yards or the mile or whatever and then I it would have just went silent and I would have heard crickets and I would have wanted to choke somebody cuz yeah. that's that's like that like as soon as everything calms down and then all of a sudden you can just start to feel the thermals suck downhill. It's like yeah all right, dude, like, <laughs> keep your eyes, keep your head on a swivel, because yep. he just missed your, like, you got out ready. of the tree, and you missed your opportunity, you've been waiting for six hours aimlessly yeah. for, I had, I had just found uh, an oak grove, a red oak grove that was dropping, mm -hmm. we're finding a lot of red oaks getting pounded this year early, for some yep, reason, me too. We yep, me too. It, but um, it's not like a big white oak thing, even though the chinkapins were loaded, oh um, yeah, so I found probably the best feed sign I've ever found in my life on this hillside, little secondary ridge. And dude, I, I get right. I'm on the backside of some, uh, the public and the backside of some private that has like standing brown beans. And then, you know, it dumps into the public and then there's a secondary ridge and it dumps down to some better private. And it's like, man, let's just edge up here and dude i look up and i'm like oh my god there's a beach tree with a giant scrape like oh, a fresh yeah. a fresh scrape with no leaves in it and yeah. the wind is blowing leaves everywhere like this buck he was just there yeah here. yeah like yeah. he's here like get in a tree dude <laughs> yeah and and then every doe in ohio was like 
wandering me. And this little baby, I ran it off two or three times. I'd go like that and just freak the shit out of it. Oh, yeah. It, it would come back. And at one point, it was just my friend. Like, I'm convinced. So I took the kids for a drive. <laughs> and there was a baby standing right next to the road. And we were talking to it. And I'm like, is that the one Josh put the video up of? I, I I didn't I didn't <laughs> I didn't video it, but the whole time I'm oh. like, are you that little son of a bitch I talked to the other night with my kids? Because you won't go away. <laughs> Josh, was it just, you that just posted the video of the deer that I thought had EHD because it was like not acting like a deer? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, yep, silly walking out. Uh, I stumbled upon what day was that? Oh, was that, that last? Was the, that, that was, was last the, Thursday. Uh, the yeah, deer. Yeah. yeah, he had the floodlight on his head, like a whole damn floodlight on his head, the brightest <laughs> headlamp I've ever seen in my life. Are you scared of stuff in the dark? I mean, what are you? No, it's, it's thick back there. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's worried That's about the, the bears. That's oh. one of the best headlamps oh. on the market, dude. Yeah. yeah, it better be. I mean, good <laughs> yeah. lord, my. The was, the pictures we we're able to take because of that thing. Oh, well, dude! I, yeah, I might have to borrow turn it, it here way down, and you've just yeah. got like this cool light mm-hmm. across the whole plate. Oh, it's awesome! So I'm yeah. I'm convinced. So I'm I'm walking out, and I have it. I don't have the light turned up all the way at the time as I'm walking out, and then <laughs> I actually have it turned down low on its low setting, and I'm walking out on this trail along this ridge. And on like to my right is like a drop off down into a creek, but I know this trail goes. I can follow it down, and then uh, there's a spot I can go down in the creek, and then go follow the creek towards the parking lot. And uh, so I'm following the trail, and then I see eyes like I don't know thirty yards from me, and I'm like, oh, there's two deer there. And I'm starting to walk up, and they're like not moving. So I, I turn my my headlight up a little bit. I can see it's a doe and a fawn. Well, the doe turns around and trots off she doesn't blow but the the fawn just stays there so i turned my light up all the way and i don't think she was moving because i was blinding her yeah (laughs) so i turn up all the way and i start walking towards her and she's like (laughs) turning back around i think one looking for her mom and then but two also the light is so bright yeah she couldn't see her mom no (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm being serious i i probably could have walked up and, and pet that deer yeah but I, I didn't. I was like, what are you doing? I'm like, go away. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm trying to get to my car. That's awesome. Yeah. So, Seth, yeah. tell us. We, we probably should prepare people at some point. One day we'll be good podcasters. But, <laughs> um, today's not that day. Uh, tell us your favorite thing you've learned roughly in the past year. When it comes and to buck hunting, whitetail deer hunting, I should have prepared for this question for a long time because <laughs> I knew this day would come one day. And I've heard this question asked on this podcast I don't know how many times. And here I am being the idiot without a good answer. I guess we um, technically did prepare Seth. He's one of our eight and a half listeners. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm the half. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm a shell of a man. Um, but uh, well. I would say, man, and uh, this goes back to kind of what we've already talked about the whole time is, um, you know, do not hunt 
until you are confident with what you're seeing. I mean, there is nothing wrong with walking around for two or three days, especially when you're going in blind. I mean, deer are not like turkeys where you can stand on a hill and put your ear out and give them a oh and know whether or not they're there or not. It's not like that. You got to go out there. You got to burn boot leather. And if you're not confident and you're not seeing the sign that you need to see, keep moving. Um, you're not going to waste two, three days is not wasted. If two of it's walking around trying to find the sign, because I can't tell you how many times I've spent two days walking. I was in the tree for 20 minutes and the deer that I'm after, or at least a, you know, a, a good amount of deer come right by the tree. I've been in the tree for 20 minutes. Um, so the biggest thing I've learned and, you know, I don't care what method you use to mobile hunt, but get moving, stay mobile, go out there and find what you need to find. If you're not finding it, it's out there somewhere. You don't just say, well, this area ain't got no deer in it. This, this part of the state don't have no deer in it. Yeah. There's deer out there, there's deer everywhere. And there's big deer everywhere. I'm going to get grilled for saying that, but there's big deer everywhere. It's there whether is. Or not you're going to go find them or not. And I tell, I just, if I could tell the guys one thing, do not hunt until you find what you're looking for. And, you know, that has proven like, you know, this weekend was a prime example, not to go down another rabbit hole, but I, I went to an area that I had never been before. I have pins dropped on it from, well, I lied. I've been there when I was about 12 or 13 years old and found that Mondo shed. Um, but I, I had pins dropped there to check it out. And I thought, you know what? I'm not real keen on hunting that particular area that I don't know that area real well. I don't want to hunt a morning hunt. I don't know what the hell I'm looking for yet. So I went in there pretty much blind. I had pins drop there. I said, you know what? It's as good a day as any to go in here and check this out. I went in there. I got probably lucky on the, the fact that the hot sign was there the same day I scouted it. But I went in, I found, I don't know, 15 or 20 rubs that had, that were still tacky. Um, and I found five or six scrapes that had leaves. The bottom sides were still wet where they had just turned it over like, you know, hours before I was there. Um, and then I ended up, I was getting to an area where I thought, well, this might be where I need to probably set up because the sign was hot everywhere. Two bucks come up a logging road, the same logging road that I happened to be standing on um, right to me. Uh, the one was a good two-year-old and the other was a one. 35 140 I, I thought he's about 130 but i watched the video back he's a lot bigger than i realized um buck and i came to full draw at 32 and realized that he broke his whole right side off so i didn't <laughs> shoot him <laughs> just my luck but that goes back to you know that was a little bit lucky there on on just the sign happening to be there the first spot i checked but i didn't anticipate finding any sign i'll be honest i went in there like i was going to look at it and see i really didn't right. expect to find any sign but when you go in there and you find smoking hot sign and you see two bucks and you know, like, okay. And then I found that big, the big Mondo shed again, another one in the same spot I did 15 years ago, I found another shed in there. It's like, okay, obviously there's something here. The bucks are actively here right now. I watched them go up the ridge in bed. Um, probably should hunt this. Um, but it's that kind of stuff. Just if, if it's there, don't overthink it go with your gut it's cost me a lot of deer over the years trying to well that doesn't make a lot of sense you know there's a lot of things that don't make 
sense in this world and and deer deer wild animals and they're another prime example of things that don't sometimes don't make sense if the sign's there hunt the damn deer it's not that hard yeah. hunt the I damn agree. deer uh don't say well you know it could go this way could go that way self-doubt will kill more goals than any it, that's cliche saying but self-doubt will kill more <laughs> goals and more dreams than anything else in this world and that is 100 percent relates to whitetail hunting if that's it's the there, truth dude mm-hmm. Hunt, mm-hmm. if he's there hunt his ass don't say well don't think of six reasons why when you've got one solid reason you saw the damn deer what else do you need to see he's there Kip, sit up there until you kill his ass don't go well this spot could be better you know, there's a lot of spots that could be better, but if it's there, hunt it. It's that simple. It ain't. It's not rocket science. Amen to that. Absolutely. So, Chris, Chris and I had that conversation not long ago. I mentioned that to Chris. I want to say a few, few days ago. Every day. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, these bucks I'm hunting in Ohio. I'm like, they're here. I I had to like talk myself basically what you were just saying, Seth. I thought about going to another area, checking out some other cameras. I'm like, well, I'm already on. There's there's already deer here. I might as well just stay here and hunt these deer down. I'm like, I'm Bingo. not. I shouldn't. Yep. I shouldn't leave deer to go find other deer. I was like, they're here. Just just hunt them down. That's funny yeah. that you talk about talking yourself through it. Mm-hmm. When Matt was over at my house, and we were cleaning his doe, we were cutting her up. Wait, did he and tell that- you? about why not to hunt where he was hunting and how many things that could go wrong <laughs> yeah all the all the mobile presets and cell cams oh and, yeah 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 the, yeah the place where the private's right there oh dude so dude, the post the postcard guys yes those are my <laughs> yeah, boys those are my yeah. boys they're gonna get a postcard yeah. too we we gotta preface the, the seth matt is like the most pessimistic hunter i've ever met he will tell you every reason not to go in an area. Oh, man. Yeah. So, Seth, uh, where can people find you? Okay. So, uh, my Instagram, everything that I post for the most part as far as um, as far as far photos, it goes right to Facebook, too. Um, my Instagram is Seth underscore drake uh underscore niche tv um and then my facebook is just seth drake um obviously i post quite a bit on the store on my stories too a lot of the shorter stuff um i'll be honest uh in end season the only thing you're going to see on either one of those is probably killing post uh i'm (laughs) not not putting much else out now my stories i'll show sign and stuff like that and you know, we'll do some videos on what we're kind of seeing and walking people through things that we're seeing um, and moving accordingly. But yeah, we're pretty much just keeping it to kill and post for the most part in season. So hopefully we got quite a few more of those coming up here in the next two weeks. So you got a YouTube channel? Yeah, we got uh, Niche TV is up. Um, I got to put this video together from the Ohio buck here. Um, I should probably be working on that instead of continuing to try to kill other bucks but i I have a disease that will not be cured so um i'm hoping to get that video up in the next week and a half or so um that that's gonna be the first one we're just gonna start off with with a kill video that's everybody oh yeah nowadays might as well start it off strong 
Um, and then, yeah, I mean, we got, uh, I'm hoping, I was hoping to have two bucks killed in a week. That didn't quite pan out for me this weekend in Kentucky, but uh, we've got, I'm hoping to have Kentucky and Michigan killed by the end of the month. So uh, three bucks in October would be a pretty decent month. Uh, and then hopefully November, uh, we can, we'll be in West Virginia. Um, probably going to rifle hunt over there. I don't know that I'll make it over there with my bow at all. Um, and then, you know, if everything works out the way we plan, which it generally doesn't, but, um, in a perfect world, we'll be killing there during rifle season and looking to, uh, go to Tennessee for rifle season in December. Um, and, and there's yeah. a chance, there's a chance that Illinois possibly could happen in November too, if, if bucks get killed when they are supposed to be killed, um, on my, on my <laughs> calendar. They're supposed to be right. <laughs> yeah. If they would I'm just you there. break in my heart and I could see more than. Uh, a deer every six six and you know that would be awesome but, hey that's uh, still good though michigan's going to be a tall order i'm not gonna lie to you michigan public land is going to be a tall order so uh i'm hoping to shoot uh i'm gonna hold out in kentucky for something that's 150 plus um because i think i got that caliber of deer that i can hunt there and then uh michigan and west virginia i said you know i want to kill a uh, Pope and Young or better on public in both of those states, which is a pretty tall order. But uh, yeah, that would be uh, the the first buck I killed this year. He didn't quite make Pope. He missed it by a couple inches, um, but uh, you know, inches or whatever. You know, um, yeah, it's it's more about the the deer itself, I guess, and how you got him. But uh, I'm hoping to uh, kill at least four bucks this year. So, oh yeah, cool, man. Dude. Well, brother, but, we really appreciate you coming on as a. Uh, a guest and yeah, uh, appreciate you guys having me. Look forward to having you at the Mobile Hunters Expo oh, yeah. this year, yep. and uh, look forward to following your season. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rick, you want to take us home? Yeah, uh, guys, if you have the ability, get somebody in the outdoors in the coming weeks. Please do so as you're listening to this on the way to your tree stand. If you're in Kentucky, be wearing your hunter's orange this weekend. It is kids weekend and the following weekend is muzzleloader so be sure to wear your hunter's orange other than that this has been fueled by the outdoors we've been your host rick cates chris leppert and josh luck and tonight we've been joined by seth drake of niche of niche tv i went the whole <laughs> damn episode without saying it the other way niche <laughs> tv guys have a great evening talk to you later bye so you so yeah Hey everybody, this is Kyle V, host of the Ozark Podcast, a show where we sit down with outdoorsmen of the Ozark Mountains region to talk all things hunting and fishing. Just like the outdoorsmen who live here, we follow the seasons and interview regional experts on everything from bear hunting, to fishing for smallmouth and trout, and discussing big questions like what happened to all the quail in the southeast. If you're enjoying this show, then I know you'll enjoy the Ozark Podcast. You can listen to the show on all podcasting platforms and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.